Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Clark. <laughs> and welcome to Wordstruck, where we take a fresh look at great books. This season, we're talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. This episode, we're talking about chapter 15. Uh, yep, you heard me. Just one chapter. We're going to do that for a few episodes uh, to finish out the book. These chapters are jam-packed. A lot of stuff happens, a lot of stuff we're talking about, commenting on, all that. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to do one episode... Or, one chapter per episode just to finish out the book. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, but before we get into the chapter, we have listener feedback. So our very first uh, listener tweeted at us a question, and I was like, we should totally answer this question. Yeah. Because they're good. They're, he has two questions for us. So, uh, Clark, are you ready for this? Yeah. Um, Who is this person? This person is Oscar Aguirre. So thanks, Oscar. Oscar Aguirre, thank you so much for, for talking to us. Yeah. So, Clark, uh, back when Harry and Hagrid went to Diagon Alley, and then Hagrid dumps Harry at the train station afterward, mm-hmm. how did Harry get back to Prove It Drive? Uh, <laughs> from the train station. Yeah. Uh, any idea? I mean, maybe they picked him up because uh, they kept going afterwards, right? So maybe they went somewhere for a week and then came back and or for a day. Oh yeah, because he took him straight from the hut. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What if they weren't even home? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> like, what if they were like hiding out and just like. We're rid of him. He's gone. Yeah, because Mr. Dursley, last time we saw him, was still just like this raving maniac. And they were hiding. They were hiding in the other room in the hut. So they might not have even been there. So maybe they weren't around to come unless they like went back. The Dursleys went back to Privet Drive. Yeah. And and then went to the boarded up like back to apocalypse situation. I mean, they have to go home at some point, right? Like, their worst fear had been realized. Harry had been found by the wizards and had, you know, left. So it's like, at that point, your worst fear has been realized that I guess you can go back to living your life now. That's and I wonder if they do. hoped that they'd never see him again. Uh, I, I think, you know, Petunia, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she knew better. I mean, her sister was a wizard. She had seen what it was to go to wizard school. She knew it was kind of like other schools where there's semesters and stuff. So I think she probably knew better. I think, yeah, in theory, they would love if he just stayed out of their just life never came forever. Back. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably would have preferred that, as sad as that is. So instead, Harry calls him up from the train station. <laughs> hey. Tons of bags and an owl yeah. in tow. An actual owl. <laughs> I my my theory that I had was uh, rather than calling the Dursleys, or maybe he even called the Dursleys, um, and he calls them, gets nothing, so he goes and hails a cab. Yeah, and tries to pay the cab ga- the cab with his new <laughs> wizarding money, and he was like, uh, this a big gold coin. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Depending on your cabbie, I mean, some people would be like, yes, like, this looks valuable. So it tries to hail a couple of cabs, a couple of cabs look at him skeptically of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking that. Your bird's going to crap in my car. <laughs> like, this reminds no. me of uh, when I was trying to get my mattress home from Chinatown and I was trying to hail a cab and I had the mattress propped up against this wall and I would hail a cab and it would kind of like slow down and it would look at me and I would just kind of like kind of walk back to the mattress and kind of like point at it. And the cab would keep driving. Like, yeah, no. Not bothering with that. <laughs> and, like, finally I got one all the way pulled over. 
And then I walked over to the mattress propped against the wall, and the guy just was, like, staring at me. I'm like, what have I done? I'm like, you stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Thank you, good sir. Uh, Let's do one more. So, yeah, so Oscar's other question Mm -hmm. is, uh, are we sorted by who we are or who we aspire to be? Ooh. You know, I think... I, I, I think the sorting hat... Is like, what will they be after four years of great education and mentorship? And like, what's the best version of themselves that we can realize at Hogwarts? And goes off that. So it's it's potential. It's then. potential, yeah. But not the person's own potential. I mean, or, or not what the person thinks that they can be. Like, what they aspire to be. I don't think Harry has enough information to aspire to be something. He doesn't know what the houses are. Why would he aspire to be anything? He's heard one sentence about each house. I don't I don't think it's necessarily like, I aspire to be this brand of Gryffindor. It's, I aspire to be this kind of person. Uh, um, and I, I think it might be um, his, you know, what, what your deepest desire that you might not even realize is. Hmm. So like with, with Neville, who took forever, mm-hmm. um... I don't remember if this was in the books or if this was something that I read on Pottermore that um, that he fought with the hat. He wanted to be a Hufflepuff. Oh, interesting. No. Um, I don't think that was in the book. No. Yeah, I think that was that was in the Pottermore on the Sorting Hat, and so it was like closest to a hat stall of like taking five minutes or longer of sorting someone, and uh, Neville fought with the hat of no, I want to be a Hufflepuff, and the hat's like. Mm-hmm. I think you belong somewhere else there, buddy. And he was like, no, I want to. And so I, I think it's maybe not choice necessarily, but like Neville wants to be brave. Yes. But like also mm. loyal. So he, he wants those two things. Yeah. And, and he, and is. he, and he is, that's totally what he is. We've seen it already. And um, so I, I think it's, it's more, um, aspirations. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. our, it's our, it's our, deep desire that we aren't even really sure how to put into words yet hmm. and when we're that young we don't really have the words for that because yeah, we don't yeah. even know the world yet but i think it can see like that far that deep in the layers yeah i just i don't know if he really i just think it's a problem of data like harry doesn't even know what he could be you know uh, but 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 he does want to be someone who stands up for the little guy because he's been the little guy that's true that's true so I guess he doesn't, your... he doesn't want to necessarily exact vengeance on people who have uh, trampled all over the little guy. Yeah. But he does want to overcome them. So like, yeah. And, and like his attitude and the way that he is and, and what he secretly wants. I think that that lines up with what his hmm. deepest desires are. That makes sense. And it kind of, I'm going to stick with it, it. It sorts them by the best possible versions of themselves, which is similar and hopefully that's what they want as well. Mm. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, so it's not it's not contradictory, but it's, you know, a little bit different. So thank you so much, Oscar Aguirre. Yeah. Uh, and send us more questions. Uh, Oscar, feel free to send us more. Anybody else, we're at WordstruckPod on Twitter. Yeah. And we'll give you a few more ways to get a hold of us uh, later on. But for now, uh, what happens in chapter 15, 13? Ooh, geez. Oh, boy. I forgot to change that. Yeah. <laughs> We're in chapter 15. There we go. My so uh, what bad happens notes. here? <laughs> um, chapter 15 is the Forbidden Forest. Mm. Um, and so in this chapter, Harry, Hermione, Neville, and Malfoy all get detention. 
Mm. And uh, they, along with Hagrid and Fang, search the Forbidden Forest for a, an injured unicorn. And during that, they meet three centaurs and find the unicorn dead with a hood, hooded figure drinking its blood. Mm. And they conclude that the figure is Voldemort and he is biding his time while Snape plots to steal the Philosopher's Stone. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like, the ending. They're like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they're like, everything, we are starting to see all the pieces come together mm-hmm. of like, okay, how does Voldemort get back into the picture? And it turns out, well, he's been in the Forbidden Forest this whole time. Uh, they've had a hunch that something bad has been in there. Uh, just haven't been able to put their finger on it. Um, and it's been happening more recently. Like, last few months. It's not like he's been lurking there forever. Or if he has, he's been on the low. But he's starting to get bolder and do more things to gain strength. Mm-hmm. But that's later in the chapter. Uh, at the beginning... Um, we, we start out with this awful line that made me cringe so hard. Ooh. And that was, things couldn't have been worse. <laughs> and I was just like, really? Yeah. No, it's, I can think of so many ways that things could have been worse. <laughs> instead of three students getting caught in the hallway after hours, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a, a yearly The dragon occurrence. killed you on the top of the astronomy tower. <laughs> right? The dragon caught everything on fire. Snape caught them instead of McGonagall. Snape caught them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Snape set them on fire. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. Voldemort set them on fire? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That would have been sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to explain. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It, it it feels very, very young for someone to think in that moment, this could not have been worse. No, yeah, yeah. Could not have been. Especially because that statement was made before their punishment had even been doled out. Yeah. They don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I understand that feeling of when you're caught and you just feel like, oh man, nothing worse has ever happened to me than what is in this moment. And yeah, it's that. Yeah immediacy that makes it feel like this is the worst thing ever but and it was pretty bad from a political standpoint uh each student they were talked 50 points each so that's hermione that's neville that's uh harry potter all three of them docked 50 points each for a total of 150 points which is bonkers uh when draco got caught it was gonna be 20 points and that seemed severe like 20 points seemed real bad for draco and they're like, ooh, 20 points, ouch, and then 50 points each. So do you think McGonagall docked them so many points? Okay, so McGonagall kind of pieces things together here. Yeah. Where she says that, I basically, I know what happened. You guys thought you'd trick Malfoy to get him out after hours. Mm-hmm. I, I have a really hard and time believing like, that. Yeah, and then, like, Neville heard, so Neville was going to come. Yeah. Uh, but... <sighs> Her explanation or her version of events, first of all, no, I don't believe that she believes that. I think that she really did understand what was happening. Or at least she you had a hunch of what was happening. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any evidence in it. But there's no logic to her argument of like, There's oh, no logic. You told I agree Draco. With you there. It's like, you told Draco, so he would go out after hours. Okay, so then why are they out after hours? Why would Neville come chasing after Harry and Hermione? If the whole thing was just a ruse, like, why would Harry and Hermione be out if they told Draco and it was just a ruse to get Draco out? That doesn't explain what they were actually doing, why they were actually out. It's, I, I wish that there were some line in there, either, like, hinting at, I actually do know what's going on, because there's none mm. of that. So that's why I don't think that she has a clue that there was a real dragon there. Um, but I wish that there were some other line either saying that or hinting at it, or 
to the contrary, her, like, taking a jab at, like, a, a stab at what, what I think you two are actually going to, like, what you were going to do to Malfoy. See, like, I think why it, would you also be out no, of bed? See, I think it was hinted at. See... Where? Draco, so at the end of the last chapter, we mm-hmm. have Draco being dragged out essentially by his mm-hmm. ear saying, no, but there was a dragon. There was a, They were doing something with the dragon. And um, <clears throat> she's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And she was, and when then she found them and she was upset. And she was, of course, really upset. But her, her level of being upset was brought to a whole new level when it says, uh, Harry and Neville burst out. This is on page 243. Mm-hmm. The moment he saw the other two, I was trying to find you to warn you. I heard Malfoy saying he was going to catch you. He said you had to drag it. And then, like, Harry's shaking his head like, no, 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 no. But it says, um, Harry shook his head violently to shut Neville up, but Professor McGonagall had seen. She looked more likely to breathe fire than Norbert as she towered over the three of them. So, in my mind, that is, like, McGonagall saw Neville saying... I heard you guys have a dragon. And then she heard, she saw Harry being like, shut, no, stop talking, stop talking, stop, no. And I think at that moment, she pieced it together where it's like, Draco said that they had a dragon. And she's like, yeah, sure, they have a dragon. And then Neville said they had a dragon. And she's like, yeah, sure, they have a dragon. But then she saw Harry being like, no, 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 stop talking, stop talking. And that's when she got really upset. So in my mind, that is like a little bit nah, no no I, I, right. I don't buy it i i buy that as she's sitting there and she has all these kids who are not where they should be and harry knows if they talk at all they're just gonna step in it more okay and so if if like if neville would just stop talking mm-hmm. maybe neville's just out of out after hours and maybe we're just out after hours and that's a problem already yeah but yeah. if we're all linked together too yeah that's a good like point. and and a dragon and like and and if if they really did plant this like this hint in Malfoy's ear, this little bug in his ear of like oh there's gonna be a like rah, 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 yeah and to try to lure him out and then they're all linked to that too like there's just that's true that's true and it's, that would it's call making for a it into too. the story that she has put together yeah. and and that's a really bad story of these kids who are tricking someone else out after hours and maybe they're gonna prank him while they're out or something yeah that's a good point they could prank him so that's that's yeah. what i think she actually thought was going on with the two of them out as well of you're gonna do something to this kid once he's out after hours okay but i wish that that there had been some sort of hint of her piecing together why harry and hermione would also be out because the best thing to do would be to trick him to get out and and then like tip off peeves or something yeah yeah and then go to bed and let peeves wreak havoc so that makes sense uh i i guess i'm i'm mostly convinced on that that she that she didn't actually believe there's a dragon there's i i feel like and, and maybe this is because I know McGonagall better, but I, I feel like if she knew they were legitimately trying to smuggle a dragon out to protect Hagrid and take care of this creature... Heads would roll a lot further. I think she would have directed her frustration at the real culprit, which is Hagrid. Hagrid, okay. And I feel like she would have tempered that anger with them a little more. She still would have punished them, probably just as much. Yeah. But I don't think the anger and the like irrational like never, never have I seen it, and just like she's making she it's 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 such an irrational reaction that I think she would have been able to 
put a lid on. Yeah, it's like how many times have they caught the twins out? Yeah, no kidding. I was like, no way. Have they have to have pranked somebody and yeah. lured someone out after hours? And maybe they're just is... great and have never been caught. But like, mm. they're infamous. Yeah, they're infamous for getting out, and they and they go in forbidden places too. Yeah, they weren't just in some random hallway. They were in forbidden, you know, tunnels and stuff. Like, didn't didn't Hagrid say they were in the forest sometimes? Oh yeah. Like oh yeah. So I mean they. They get all over everything, and, yeah. and that they're under McGonagall's power too. They're Gryffindors, and yeah. so like no way is this such a huge shock. Maybe because they're so young. Yeah, but maybe because she's reading the malice into it, whereas the twins are usually just mischievous. Could be, but either way, the punishment is huge. It's 150 points for Gryffindor, which turns them into huge outcasts. Essentially, they stop calling on the Quidditch team. They stop calling Harry by name. Uh, Poor Neville is even less popular. Hermione stops talking in class, which leading up to finals and stuff, I'm sure she's brimming with questions. I'm Mm -hmm. sure she'd love to like ask so many, so many things, but she can't, she can't. And so it's like, this is a really bad time for them to be stimmied like this, especially with the developments of the Sorcery Stone and stuff. Um, So the punishment is huge. Though Gryffindor found out, or the teams found out by looking at a giant hourglass. Yeah, so that, that was my question. What? Of how, how on earth, like, couldn't the three of them have just gotten together and been like, we're not going to tell anyone how. Yeah. Just, it just didn't, because there's no, like, like system showing, like, this is yeah, this who is, there's and no why. Breakdown. Yeah. It, it's not recorded. It's just hourglasses with But sand. Draco, you think Draco would really keep it secret, though? He knew exactly why he was there for the whole thing. Yeah, I think that has to be the leak. But like yeah. uh, theoretically, I, could could they have kept it insulated so much that no one would have known? I think the only way they could have saved it is told the truth and been like, "Yeah, sorry, we got caught sneaking a dragon out." <laughs> They'd be like, "What? Yeah," and they were like, "No, seriously, what what else do you think we could do?" To, to get 150 points docked and they'd be like oh jeez this potter kid is yeah. sneaking dragons out this is a whole new level of epic and they totally could have done that but except Hagrid. for Hagrid yeah. yeah if they just like found a dragon somewhere yeah yeah that would have been the perfect out exactly yeah and it would have made I mean they still would have been hugely hated and it would have been a huge deal but at least he would have saved face a little bit where it's just like nope at least he was doing something real epic for a first year Unless, do you, do you think, like, maybe Malfoy was the leak, and probably Malfoy was the leak. Yeah, yeah. But also, McGonagall has no reason to to keep that in. And no. if someone else asks her, yeah, like, she tells them, some student overhears it, rumor, rumor, rumor yeah. mill starts. It's going to get out. Anyway, yeah. uh, so 150 points lost, which I, I don't know how many points that Quidditch match was worth that they won i don't know if it specifies i we haven't we haven't seen that big of a point loss on anything i think 10 has been the biggest and then malfoy lost 20 what are the big wins so like winning that quidditch match put them ahead i wonder what that was and i don't know that i don't think it's specified does quidditch gain them points oh yeah because it says that winning that quidditch match put them ahead for the house cup Mm -hmm. so there had to be something i wonder if it's just like general points scored equate to house points That'd be 100, 100 points just for the... Anyway, so <laughs> 150 points gone. Puts so, him in dead last. Uh, huge deal. There's all this stuff. And Harry's like, I'm not going to sneak into stuff anymore. I'm going to mind my own business. I'm going to keep my head down. I am a total 
I deserve this. But uh, there is a thing there where it's like Harry and Hermione apparently both believe that they deserve that punishment. I think it's really wicked harsh. uh, But it also needed to happen. So there's some, I think expositionally it needed to happen. And I think she was, McGonagall is trying to set this example of like, you will never get out again. Or people should never sneak out after hours again. So I think it, as harsh as it was, and I think it was too harsh, um, it needed to happen for the sake of the story. And I think that if she hadn't done such a harsh punishment, it looked like it would have looked like she was going soft. Mm-hmm. And she can't do that. So she made something drastic to make a big statement. And now we're here. So, well, And nothing will, like, like, Harry has no interest in sneaking out again. Yeah. Pretty much. And, yeah. and so it did the job, which is we're going to teach this kid early on like she she's the one who bent the rules with them to begin with yeah yeah she went soft and then i think she realized that maybe she had gone a little too like, soft i've created a monster yeah so she had to kill her own monster and it killed their social status and it sucked uh and so harry's like i'm never gonna sneak out again which is unfortunate because he heard uh professor quirrell apparently being threatened and badgered into giving up something for the sorcerer's stone in that back classroom and even though harry's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sneak in i'm not gonna sneak in he just kind of peeked his head in and he didn't see anything but he saw that the door was open on the other end and apparently he could have sworn that snape had probably just walked out that door do you think snape had just walked out that door i'm not answering that question (laughs) do you think snape had just walked out that door (laughs) well like i said i do know what's under at least I know that there's something under Professor Quirrell's turban. Now that we met Voldemort at the end of the chapter, I thought it was Voldemort under there. And I still kind of think it is in some weird way. But anyway, uh, I think either it was Snape or it was him talking to the thing under his turban. It it doesn't have to be Snape. But Snape's the bad guy, remember? So uh, Snape's definitely definitely the bad guy. So it was, it was probably Snape. You're so full of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, then they're assigned to their detention duty. They get the little notes that say, all right, time for detention. They shuffle down and it ends up that detention is at Hagrid's cabin. Or shack, shed. Hut. Hut. Thank Hagrid's you. Hagrid's hut. It's alliterative. <laughs> Hagrid's hut, uh, where he sells hot chocolate, uh, candies, uh, t-shirts that say Hagrid's hut in a cute font. Peppermint humbugs. Peppermint humbugs. Uh, no, unfortunately, he's doling out detention this time around. Filch gives them a weird lecture. Do you have anything to say about Filch's weird lecture about the chains? No, Filch is yeah. just weird and creepy. That but the thing that gets me about their detention, hmm. the time and the place, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you catch kids out after hours somewhere they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So you punish them with detention after hours somewhere, somewhere they, they shouldn't, shouldn't be. be. Yeah, uh, strange choice. Uh, I just... I wondered um, if there's some sort of poetic justice in that of like, okay, you like being out after hours and somewhere that you shouldn't be. So we're going to make you fear being out after hours somewhere you shouldn't be. It could be. Or, or if there's just a list of like things that need getting done and uh, that like d- the detention, it helps deal with that. I and think in a way, like, I think it is a dangerous task. And the fact that they're making students do it is really weird. Mm -hmm. And I think they wouldn't have done it with lesser students. I think she knew that uh, Harry, Hermione, and Draco might actually be helpful. So she assigned them to that duty. Do you think she assigned it? Or do you think it was Filch? Or do you think it was... I don't think Filch would have any decision in that. 
Why would yeah, Filch? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Filch goes on about how I would have just hung yeah, from yeah. The rack if, or if Filch whatever. had his way, they'd be scrubbing floors and you know cleaning up kitty litter. Yeah, that is under his desk for some reason. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, so Sir, Mrs. Norris likes it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mr. Filch gives them this weird lecture, and then Hagrid totally calls him on it, which I thought was great. Hagrid's like, "Oh, you're late because Mr. Filch brought you." So, uh, Filch, you were probably just lecturing them about your stupid crap. So how about you stop doing that? And I'm just like... <laughs> I have some real work to get to here. Yeah. And I'm just like, boo, shots fired. Oh, uh, Hagrid. Yeah. So Filch apparently, uh, he's not... Even Hagrid doesn't get along with Filch, which I guess that was hinted at a while ago. Um, saying it's, like it's the sharks and the jets. And... It's, yeah, it's yeah. inside versus outside. Yeah. <laughs> So we got to see that, and usually Hagrid doesn't uh, talk back at people, but we saw a little bit of that. Um, and then uh, we realized that their duty is to figure out what's happening to this unicorn. Like, apparently a unicorn had been... Well, they knew that one had been killed at that point. Second time in a week. Oh, you're right, you're right. Found one dead last Wednesday. Okay. So. So, yeah, they uh, had found one dead, which is already huge. Like, a dead unicorn? That's crazy. That doesn't happen. They're... Im- pretty much immortal i think uh beings of magic yeah i guess if the if their blood makes one immortal yeah pretty sure they're inherently immortal yeah so they found one dead they were looking for the second one that had just been injured um i thought just for the record i thought they were gonna end up fighting like a giant spider because for some reason when i think harry potter forbidden forest the picture of them getting attacked by a giant spider always comes to mind Hmm. and i think that's probably either a movie thing or it's in a second book or third book i don't know there's lots of books i'm sure they go into the forest i'm sure they get attacked you mentioned that a couple of chapters ago of like you still gotta get to the spider part i'm like where's the spider part and then I started reading this chapter, and we're like, there's the spider like, part. We're coming up. Come <laughs> and, at me, bro. I'm not uh, even scared. <laughs> uh, but I didn't see the centaurs coming. So when they're uh, out looking for the second centaur, uh, they stumble across... Second unicorn. Ayo. Uh, they stumble across a centaur that comes, and they're kind of chatting with the centaur. This is what, Hagrid and Harry at this point? Uh, yeah, Hagrid, Harry, and Hermione. Yeah. And then Neville... Malfoy and Fang went the other direction. Which is such a bad idea, putting yes. Neville, Malfoy, and Fang. Whose idea was that? What? I mean, it was Hagrid's, Hagrid's. like, I want to hang out with my friends yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to deal with Malfoy. And then it didn't take long before you realized that was a bad He's idea. Not a teacher. Yeah. So he doesn't know, like, oh, I gotta, gotta keep these kids in line. Yeah. It's just like, just so make this quick. They're looking for this hopefully just wounded unicorn. Unfortunately not. But they go looking for it. They split into teams that are really bad teams. Um, and they're looking and they, they run into, uh, Ronan. Is that the name of the first mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Ronan. Ronan, the centaur. And they pretty much start asking him like, Hey, what's with these, you know, seen anything with the unicorn, seen anything strange around here? And he, uh, Ronan just keeps kind of like half answering the question. Mars is bright tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Looking mm-hmm. up, just kind of being like, Mars is bright. And it's like, uh, does that mean something to you? Is that... Is this some weird solstice thing? Is is Jupiter ascending, descending? Do you have a theory? Do I have a theory? I mean, we find out later in the chapter that they're pretty much just avoiding the topic because they don't... Like, to the centaurs, yes, that means something. Like, Mars is bright today means we are at a certain point of the prophecy. Like, it says Mars is bright today, which means that this thing is going to happen. So they're answering the question, 
but they're doing it in such a way that they know they're being opaque with their answer. Where it's like, you could say that to another centaur and they'd be like, oh, I know exactly what that means. So you think it's like there's a prophecy in that 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 particular... Mars being bright? Mars being bright was foretold? I or... think so. I, I think it says, you know, when the third moon or the fourth rock is glowing, then, you know, something bad is growing. See, here's, here's my theory. And okay. it's not so much that it's like tied to some prophecy or something. And it's just straight up astronomy and astrology and that's um uh mars the god of war mars is bright oh so if mars is bright then perhaps war is coming or war is here i like that too yeah yeah i was like i was just trying to like what on earth i think they are sort of trying to be helpful Eh. but also evasive (laughs) yeah i don't i don't think they're trying to be super helpful i think they're just it's not their way to be super direct yeah and 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 hagrid mentions that too he's like it's really hard to get a straight answer out of them and it's like i mean they're talking in their own language essentially Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. and and so if they did say that to someone else they'd be like yeah mars is bright tonight yeah they'd be like whoa crap (laughs) (laughs) like yeah and and so it's sort of like talking to someone else in in a dialect, and it's like, oh, the words make sense, but the meaning is lost yeah, on me. Yeah. And so maybe Hagrid gets it, but he's like, I kind of don't care that a war is coming or that times of trouble are here. Like. Yeah. He's like, but what about that unicorn? Logistically, where's the unicorn? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they're being evasive for sure. But um, so so. And at that point, does the second one come right away, or is that later? Yeah, Bane comes up. Bane comes up. Talks to Ronan and agrees that Mars is bright tonight. Yeah, and, and at that point, they're like, well, we are done chatting with these like, guys. Ultimate fun. Yeah. Goodbye. Like, yeah, see ya. <laughs> uh, they go on, they keep wandering. Um, they're distracted by Malfoy pulling a prank on uh, Neville, sneaking up behind him and scaring him, which, like... <sighs> I, I was surprised that Draco did that because I thought Draco was pretty scared himself. So maybe because when he first heard like Forbidden Forest, he's like, no, 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 not the Forbidden Forest. And it's like, you know, Harry was like kind of enjoying seeing, you know, Draco so uncomfortable. So I was surprised that Draco was comfortable enough in the forest by himself with Neville and Fang to scare the one other person that is his lifeline, you know? Good point. I wonder, like, maybe he does feel more confident with fang there like i've got a guard dog it's yeah. a big dog hagrid yeah. describe describes him as useless but hagrid also let us like that is the guardian in this group and so he yeah. must at least have the confidence there or maybe he's sort of leading them not necessarily toward the like unicorn blood and trying to find it but like toward the edge of the forest so he can like see the edge see or maybe here's my third guess of um he wasn't actually pranking neville and he was like spooked himself neville thought he like neville spooked freaked out yeah yeah. and then to sort of cover his own fear malfoy like lets neville blame him for a prank yeah yeah he's like yeah totally my own my own pride and yeah i think that's probably the more likely of it where it's like he got spooked and spooked neville through his being spooked and neville acted on it and he was just saving face could be uh 
and mine is kind of in a similar vein where it's like i think he was kind of more like no i'm not scared you're scared mm-hmm. and like i'm gonna show that you're the one that gets scared in this situation fake it till you make it here fake it till you make it. yeah so he's <laughs> like you know he's he's trying to assert his own power and his own dominance by and his own confidence or illusion of confidence by freaking neville out mm-hmm. so it's just more bullying more feeling like he has some level of control in the situation uh but it's enough that they change up the teams i think harry is with draco now there's yeah. a lot of names to remember in this yeah. chapter. Harry, Malfoy, and Fang go One Direction. Yeah. And uh, they do find the dead unicorn. And when they find the dead unicorn, there is like a hooded snake-like figure. Does it say snake-like? Mm-mm. Just a hooded figure. Just a hooded figure. But I thought they heard like a cape dragging earlier or like the sound of something slithering. Well, they did hear the cape earlier. Yeah, they heard they heard the cape. And I, and I think that that sort of had a yeah slithery aspect to it but could be sorry listeners i'm having the hardest time keeping everything straight <laughs> and this, there's a lot of names a lot of things happening in this chapter I'm... and a lot of and, it, and the sort of nature of it is there's a lot unknown and it's yeah. dark and you can't see everything yeah. and harry's piecing things together based on what he can understand but he's in a foreign place yeah searching for something he doesn't know what it looks like and something else is attacking it and it's dangerous and with people he doesn't trust yeah and i think that they did foreshadow the hooded figure enough that they're like they thought they heard a cape and then the centaurs came up and they're like well we did it could have been the centaurs that made that noise but i think it said that they were pretty sure that it wasn't the centaurs that made that noise Mm -hmm. that it was something else that made that noise so did that the, sound like hooves to you no yeah i feel like that's what haggard said yeah so it's yeah. like the hooded figure didn't just come out of nowhere it's like we knew that there was probably something else creeping around the peripheral probably watching them trying to figure out a way to dodge them but it's hard because there were two of them and there two groups and they were both following the pools of blood so like i i think the hooded figure was just trying to get what he could as soon as he could because he knew that they were going to find him mm-hmm. uh so they stumble across the hooded figure. The hooded figure turns around and like, bah, it's Voldemort. Uh, Scar hurts. Scar hurts real bad. Uh, it's Voldemort. Uh, Does it say it's Voldemort? No, they kind of piece together afterwards. Yeah, a- afterwards they figure out. And and Harry, they don't even directly affirm it. He's just like, could it be Voldemort? And that's when the centaur is like, uh, you know, he kind of is like, well, I mean, let's not go that far. Uh, but so... They stumble across the hooded figure. The hooded figure turns around. Harry's scar burns like crazy. And I think, I don't know if the hooded figure was about to jump on them, but before the hooded figure could do anything, a third centaur jumps out and, like, essentially scares the hooded figure away. Yeah. And and lets Harry on his back, which apparently is, like, super shameful for centaurs, and then turns into the best exposition bot we've ever had so ridiculous <laughs> it's so painful yeah, i'm like yeah. why why are you saying some of these things why can't you talk around some of it yeah for the centaurs being a very indirect people this guy just like, just lays no, it all out there no wonder they're all frustrated with them <laughs> yeah. they're just like dude we get it we know we're talking we know what we're talking just stop stop <laughs> Uh. and it kind of shows i i feel like uh so i guess the name of the centaur real quick is firenze what firenze firenze yeah florence Firenze. <laughs> good old florence uh, <laughs> uh but 
he he pretty much is like i'm so sick of people talking around this this is an important thing we should be telling more people about the prophecy of the centaurs that we've been reading into this is important we haven't been saying a word about it but we should and that stops right here right now i'm gonna tell you what have you been telling him growled bane remember friends we are sworn not to set ourselves against the heavens. Mm-hmm. Have we not read what has come in the movements of the planets? Like, all of that. All of yeah. that. could just been like, what have you been telling him? Stop telling him things. Stop that. Like, <laughs> but instead, the end. He's like, and like, as you know, Forenza, <laughs> like, as you know, we made a pact. Like, there are all these things we're not supposed to be telling them. <laughs> all of them. Uh, it's just... a classic expositional tool of, like, one person telling something to somebody when they already know that it's just for the benefit of the third party. Just. And I mean, yeah, sometimes sometimes people lecture and they get carried away. Yeah. And Bane kind of strikes me as that kind of a character of well, like I'm going in to general. I I'm going to Well, but Bane's like extra uptight. Yeah, that's true. Like that's Ro- true. Ronan was having a casual conversation and then Bane comes in and ignores and and interrupts that and sort of chastises Ronan for even talking to them. Yeah, that's And point. then he comes on Firenze, and it's like... And he sees friends with a human oh no. on his back. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> I already was angry before, and yeah. now, like, I'm about ready to blow a gasket. And So what do you think the centaurs have been doing with the, with the unicorns and the dark figure? Do you think they've seen the dark figure and they know, or do you think that this is all new for them as well? I think they, they let on pretty well in all this exposition that they know. They know what's going on. Hmm. And they're just letting it be. Wow. I, I think they're very... That is a, not a nice move. Laissez-faire centaurs. of them. Well, I, 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 very laissez-faire. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just like, let everyone do what they're going to do, and we're out of it. And Which is weird, because they're Italian. I don't... <laughs> Firenze is... Seems more French. Is more of a, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. Ah. Of, I, I don't really love these humans, mm-hmm. but I really don't love the dude who's killing yeah. the unicorns. And I think the On fact my that... home turf. Yeah. And that it was Harry Potter specifically. And he knew who Harry was to the greater narrative as well. Yeah, I think if he didn't know who Harry was, maybe he wouldn't have... Oh, yeah. If it was Although, Draco, I doubt it. Do, does he... I don't even know what they do with Draco. <laughs> I don't think he's riding on the center. Draco hot, like, turns tail and runs so fast. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah. He's not even... He's, he's back at the castle at this point. <laughs> like, screw detention. I'm out. Um, doesn't, uh, maybe this is something that, that uh, is said in the movie. Doesn't he, uh, defend, Hmm. like, Bane freaks out and Firenze calls him a fool? Or, like, doesn't he call him, like... Uh, I think that might be a He's a child. Oh, yeah. Let's see. No, it does say... Oh, no, he knows. This is the Potter boy. 257, yeah. This is the Potter boy. Okay. Don't you know who this is? This is the Potter boy. The quicker he leaves the forest, the better. Uh... Yeah, so I don't think he would have let anybody else ride his back or tell him nearly as much. If this had been Draco, if this had been Hermione, he would have just gotten them out of danger. Maybe. Maybe he would have gotten them out of danger. Um, but he wouldn't have told them everything. Yeah. I think it's just Potter-specific. Uh, though, I mean, if he had known Potter very well, he knew that Potter tells everybody everything. He really is bad at secrets. He's an external processor. Yeah. He just needs to tell everyone until he figures it out. Yep, yep. And he needs to filter it through Hermione, filter it through Ron. He needs to shout it in the courtyard over a Christmas tree mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. Hagrid. 
Yeah. In a slightly gloating manner. <laughs> I, th- I think the key theme of these last three or four chapters is people are saying way too much. Like, mm-hmm. people are talking too much, and they need to really kind of keep that in if yeah. they want things to remain the way they are. Yeah. But, Although, I, I, I think one would argue that secrets are prob- problematic in this world, too. Yeah, especially so, the fact that Voldemort is in the forest. Yeah. That would have been really nice to know. Drinking unicorn blood to stay alive. So, uh, <laughs> so here, here's my question for okay. you. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the chapter, we have McGonagall, who's freaking out about these are dangerous times. Mm-hmm. We have never before had any hint that these are particularly dangerous times. Yeah. Do you think this is what she was referring to? Do you think she knows that Voldemort's in the in the forest? Oh, or no. something's going on? If, or... she, if she knew Voldemort was in the forest, she would not have sent Harry Potter to the forest. No way. I don't do you, think she Do you think anything. she thinks Voldemort's on the loose? I mean, they must because, it, again, who else would be after the stone? I mean, I'm sure they have their guesses. Does I'm she sure. know about the stone? McGonagall? Yeah. She's she's in tight. And wasn't she one of the people who put... Well, yeah, yeah, but, but... We, we sort of talked about uh, they might know they're protecting something, but not know what they're protecting. I think if anybody knew, teacher-wise, McGonagall would know. She's the person... I mean, she was there when Harry was at the doorstop. Like, she is there for the big things. Mm-hmm. And I think the Sorcerer's Stone is an example of that. So, yeah, I think McGonagall's in the know about the stone and possibly about someone trying to steal the stone i think if anybody would be in the know it would be it would be her okay so you think she knows Mm -hmm. you think she knows voldemort's out there yeah which again would be kind of weird to send harry into the middle of the forest but maybe the forest is close enough to hogwarts that she wouldn't think that he was in their own backyard Mm -hmm. you know i doubt she pieced that together because that's real close to the castle you know that's not yeah uh Apparently they don't have wards set that far out to keep him out. Because he can't be that strong. If he's drinking unicorn blood, like the centaur explained to us, uh, the only person... <laughs> so graciously. Thank so you graciously. So much, friends. Thank you, friends. <laughs> uh, the only reason he would do that, be killing unicorns and stuff, is he's desperate. He needs to do something to stay alive because he was, he was beat that far back that he's that weak that he needs to drink unicorn blood just to, um, just to stay alive and get stronger. So... Apparently there weren't magical wards set outside of the forest to keep him out because I don't think he'd be strong enough to break them. If those things even exist in the Harry Potter world. I mean... I, I think generally the forest is is known as a place you don't want to go. Yeah. Because there are things in there. It's sort of like the Mines of Moria. Okay. Of yeah, like, yeah. there are things here and they're unregulated and they're big and scary. Where and it's like, yeah, if Voldemort was weak and he was that weak, would he really want to go somewhere where there are potentially yeah. giant spiders? I, no. I would bet they, they banked on that a little bit and yeah. mistakenly so. Yeah. Because if he's catching and killing them, he must have, a, you know, a decent amount of strength. Or just, you know, general muggle intelligence or something of, I know hmm. how to use a trap. Yeah. <laughs> like... You think unicorns would be above that, but uh, yeah. who knows? I mean, they don't have that many natural predators. They could so. just be horses with an extra bone. I mean, <laughs> don't say that, Alyssa. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so we learn. Yeah. So that they see the person. Friends takes them away back to safety. Tells Harry all this stuff that's happening. In the meantime, uh, they get uh, lectured by Bane. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's actually his name mm-hmm. bane all right uh, <laughs> i read the chapter but i never caught bane uh so what 
I'm trying to piece together. So now they know all of this information. Harry shares it with the gang, presumably. Mm-hmm. And we're left at the end of the chapter with uh, a well, lot of... We, we see him sharing it to, with Ron and Hermione and and piecing it together. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And Because um, he, he goes and he shakes Ron awake. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing he says isn't... I was in the forest and there were centaurs and a unicorn was dead and I saw Voldemort. The first thing that he tells Ron is Snape wants the stone for Voldemort and Voldemort's waiting in the forest. So he does say Voldemort's waiting in the forest, all that. But the first thing he says is Snape wants the stone for Voldemort. Like that is the important message that he wants to get across. Uh, Which means they really like he really, really, really is is fully into the narrative that that's what Snape is doing. Do you do you buy it? I think that all evidence points to it. I think that that's what the narrator has been spoon feeding us this whole time. And I'm not asking you if that's what is set up. I'm asking you, do you buy it? I still don't buy it. I still don't buy that Snape's the bad guy. I just don't. Does Snape want the stone? Possibly, yeah. Not for Voldemort. Snape I... wants. Okay, so so you think Snape wants the stone, and Voldemort wants the stone, and I Snape, mean... but but Snape's not going to give it well, to Voldemort. I don't know. My my theory keeps changing on this, where it's like, I don't think Snape's the bad guy, but he's definitely not the hero. And, it, you know, he was trying to get around Fluffy, but maybe he was trying to get to the stone, but there's no way that he thinks he would be a better defender of the stone than all the hexes on there. So it's like, maybe he was going to add his own hex, or maybe... I don't know. I have a hard time with this, Alyssa, because I I just refuse to believe that Snape's the bad guy and he's trying to get the stone for Voldemort. Be, just because that is just the stupid obvious one but snape's a character for the next however many books i know he's a main character uh, so it's like if he really is trying to get the stone for voldemort then he would be axed he would be gone at the end of this book if they found out that snape was a bad guy he'd be gone and he wouldn't be in the next you know however many books and movies so like i said if it was just this one book then i would believe that snape was one of the bad guys but because i know that this is a series i refuse to believe it so does Snape want the stone? Maybe. But I don't know why. I don't know what his motivation would be. It's not to give it to Voldemort, so maybe it's some other motivation, but I just don't know. I don't know. Do you think Snape knows that Voldemort's back? Or um, could be back? Or is around? I don't think Snape's as much in the know as McGonagall. I mean, he would be my third guess as to, like, okay, who does Dumbledore trust? McGonagall. Period. Snape? Yeah, quite a bit. But maybe not enough to tell him that sort of stuff um i think that maybe he's right on the borderline of knowing about it where it's like if he came to it on his own and directly asked dumbledore is voldemort around i think dumbledore would be like yes close the door let's talk but i don't think dumbledore is going to go out of his way to tell him so no i don't think snape realizes so do you think okay so we know snape is one of the one of the teachers who oh to do the thing on the stone protect the stone yeah and he knows what what's there yeah do you think he knows who they're protecting it from or or why they're protecting it or i think that he probably has a hunch but i don't think he realizes the brevity of it it's like i mean he knows yeah someone's trying to get to the stone but i i think he's probably convinced that voldemort's dead or at least pretty close to it okay I don't know, though. You know, there's there's so much about Snape that I just want to get to know. But yeah. for now, I think he's a little bit in the dark. But Harry is convinced. Harry's convinced, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he buries the lead on Voldemort a little bit by going directly to 
Snape wants a stone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he maybe goes that direction because one, Snape's a villain who he can overcome. He believes he can overcome him in some way. Yeah, yeah. Voldemort is a hooded figure who hurt his head just by looking at him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and so he can't stop Voldemort necessarily, but he can stop Snape. He think yeah, he thinks he can. So, yeah. and and Snape's the one they've been tracking and. Clearly, that will be his next plan, is we have to stop Snape. And also, Voldemort is weak and killing unicorns and probably can't get to the stone. Yeah, yeah. Not but Snape his... can. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he needs a messenger. Or at least somebody to get him in. Uh, and thank goodness he doesn't have the invisibility cloak. <laughs> <laughs> did, but... you like, did you like that little uh, <laughs> yeah. misdirection that I planted for yeah. you? Yeah. They're like, how are they going to get it? And I'm like, I just don't even know. And it's like, <laughs> no, nope, turns out somebody else solved that for him. Yeah. Uh, but so Harry comes. He's telling Ron, uh, Snape wants the stone for Voldemort. We thought he just wanted to get rich and just have life. But no, it turns out he's part of this big master plan. And then he tells him all about Forenzi. And he replays the exposition for us again. So it's like, okay, we really we really do get what's happening yeah, here. Yeah, like we, we can piece it together. It's okay. Yeah. Although it is sort of telling how he pieces it together. I mean, all, all of the... I mean, just, just the... That's true. The he's... one thing of like, Snape wants a stone for Voldemort. Like... They didn't say that. Yeah, no. We might not have. They put never that even together. confirmed it was Voldemort. Yeah, really. Like <laughs> so. So for him to piece it all together with that attitude, with with Harry's insight in there, I, mm. I mean, it, it it shows us his bias. Yeah, and he was externally, like you said, he was external processing where he's like, oh, and then and then Forenza saved me, but he shouldn't have because Bane was really upset about it, and da da da. And now Bane, and Voldemort's gonna kill me, and. Bane's probably going to be happy about that, though. And it's just like, <laughs> that's funny that you think, like, above all this, you're thinking about, like, what would the centaur think if I die? Like, that's a that's a funny little line of, like, why is he even thinking about that? And it's like, <laughs> well, because he's thinking about everything. Because a lot just happened. Yeah. And he is thinking about a lot of things, and he's just kind of all he's going He's just got to dump it, it yeah. somehow. Yeah. So we see that dump. Uh, and then so much happens in this chapter. Uh after dumping it, he goes to his bed to finally sleep, and he finds the invisibility cloak folded up with a note saying, just in case. Huh. In uh, case of what? Just in case, uh, I mean, just in case Voldemort's in the forest trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That would be a, an alarming thing to put down. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know why. <laughs> you know why. Just in case you need to sneak out one more time without getting caught, because remember last time... And it's like, he definitely, I mean, with 150 points and all that, like, it's pretty much saying, like, Harry's not going to sneak out again. But, like, unless he knows he can't get caught. So now we have that way where he knows he can't get caught. So um, I don't know if points for Gryffindor would be a strong enough motivator to keep him inside for at, something At this, this point, they're in dead last. Yeah, exactly. What's you know? the point? Yeah. yeah. Voldemort's trying to kill him. I mean, come on. But at least this way it grants him a little bit of safety. Uh, I think... To answer the question that I think you're going to ask as to who left the invisibility cloak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, knowing what I know now, Dumbledore, but knowing what that there are other books, I think there's like a weird trickster guy that does some sort of map or something like that. And he seems to be, I don't know, there's later books and there's something about a map and there's a trickster that knows how to get around and sneak around. Uh, and maybe that guy 
But we, yeah, I don't think that's so, for, something that'll pay off in a later book. Something that'll pay off in a later book, possibly, is the person who's leaving him all those notes, and it's someone who maybe knew his parents, or is just kind of this presence in the school of of someone who has been kind of a helpful but trickster. Anyway, so it could be setting up this other guy for the later book because they're not going to tell us in this book who. Yeah, gave there's it. no time. Yeah, no way. Yeah. So knowing what I know now, Dumbledore, of course, Dumbledore. He's the only one who really would have that kind of intuition and be on Harry's side and be willing to help him. So Dumbledore is my answer. Uh, yeah. So, and then my my last question for this chapter is, um, there's this great line, and it's not even really a question, but I'm, mm. I'm wondering... <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it for you cuz oh. if you didn't pick up on it. Okay. I'm shocked if you didn't pick up pick up on it. What are you talking about? With Dumbledore around, you know who won't touch you. Oh. What, How long's Dumbledore going to be around? <laughs> oh, what's the context of that? It's it's right before that. They're oh. they're talking about with Dumbledore um, around. And there was another like there was another one that's like Hogwarts is the safest place or like I've, Everyone says Dumbledore's the only one you know who's afraid of. Yeah, so it's like, all it takes is getting Dumbledore out of the equation. Uh, it's too early for Dumbledore to die. Uh, much like it was too early for the actor who played him to die. Yeah, poor Richard Harris. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's a good point. And it is, like, it, in order for there to be an actual fight, Dumbledore does need to be gone. So it's like, it's inevitability. I don't think Dumbledore is going to die. It's way too early for that. Way, way, way too early for that. We barely even know the guy. And he's hilarious and he's lovable. So I think Dumbledore is going to be alive, but something's going to happen to keep him out of the... Because, I mean, if there was a big thing and uh, Voldemort gets to the stone or something like that, and then just Dumbledore comes in and and totally kicks his butt, where's the fun in that? You know, we, we need to see... That's... That's some Twilight stuff. That's yeah. someone else fighting the battle. That's not fun exactly. to watch. Exactly. That's yeah. a Deus Ex... Uh, Machina. Yeah, I was trying to think of a pun there. Crap. Wandina? Uh, <laughs> nope. Nope. I got nothing. <laughs> but it would have been a cop-out. It would have been a cheap way to win the fight against Voldemort. So, yeah, clearly, Dumbledore is not going to be in the final boss fight. That'd be lame. Uh, it has to be all of them working collaboratively, knowing the skills that we've seen them do so far. And then maybe a guest appearance by Snape, who turns out was helping this whole time, and he was totally on their side this whole time. That's probably what's going to happen. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I don't... So, your statement is how long is Dumbledore... Or your question is how long is Dumbledore going to be around? Yeah. Uh, Right up until the final fight, I guess. And then something's going to happen to get him out of the equation... And that's when Voldemort can actually get into Hogwarts. And that's how he's going to get in. Um, How is that going to happen? I don't know. I mean, again, I have a hunch that Quirrell is a major player. But I don't think Quirrell could one-on-one Dumbledore unless, well, unless there is something that he was hiding. Anyway, but somehow Dumbledore is going to get muted for a bit and out of the equation, stuffed in a broom closet somehow, uh, which would be... Uh, I guess he could fly out if it's a broom closet, but <laughs> that one hurt. Uh, I'm on fire today. So to answer your question, Dumbledore will be around exactly until he uh, can't be for the sake of the exactly plot. until it's convenient enough for exactly. someone else to get in. Yeah, for someone else to get in until until it's time for Voldemort to go through that door. Uh, Dumbledore will be around. That's kind of how it has to be, right? 
I had one more stray thing to mention, and mm. we, we sort of blazed right by it. But it just, it's... it was a moment that reminded me of you. Aww. And I was like, oh, man, I wonder if, I wonder if Clark's picking up on this, too. Okay. And that's um, Ron's talking about, like, Snape's done it then. If Quirrell's told him how to break his anti-dark force spell. <laughs> and I was like, Ron just pulled a Clark of, I'm just going to make up. A spell based on what it does. Anti-dark force. Featherfall. <laughs> That's a real thing, Alyssa. No, not That's in a this real world, thing. it isn't. Okay. Fair enough. Anti-dark force. That is funny. Laugh. I was like, Clark would totally say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know exactly what he's saying, though, right? Like, oh, yeah. He gets the point across. Oh, yeah. It's just a... It's very... Anti-dark force spell. Anti-dark force spell. That's funny. Uh, that is exactly what I would say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, this, so this builds up a lot of stuff. I feel like I already just said a bunch of things that I think will happen in the later chapters. Yeah. Uh, I think we still have two chapters left or three? There are two. There's uh, Through the Trap Door. Through the Trap Door is the next one. And and then I'm not going to say the title of the last one. Ah, <laughs> like, uh, you have your own book, but... Um... Ah, I see. Um, anyway, so the Trap Door. So boss fight's coming. Boss fight's coming up yep. next chapter. Uh, or at least... Like we said, uh, Dumbledore is going to get out of the picture somewhere in in the next chapter, so that the boss battle can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at least going to see the pre-boss fights. We're going to see him get to the place in a very sneaky way using the invisibility cloak. He's going to rope in as many Gryffindors as he can, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're getting to some fun parts of this. You excited for the boss fight? I'm excited for the boss fight. Uh, especially, there's no spider. Um, I'm still waiting for a snake. I thought, it, it, in my mind, okay, in my mind, I I swear, maybe it's from, like, when I was, when I first listened to the book the long time ago, I, I know there's something with a snake, I, ugh, I swear, and I just thought that it was, <laughs> I, it's I just, so fun to watch you be frustrated about it, I just it's not here it's, yet, it's why? It's not here yet, <laughs> why isn't Voldemort a giant snake thing? Uh, anyway, so, yeah, every time I picture him, it's as a serpentine thing with these snake fangs and this jaw that can detach, and it's really freaky looking. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. boss fight's coming up. I'm very excited. Uh, I, I will admit, the boss fight is ha- was always my favorite part of this book. Yeah? I mean, there's so many payoffs. So many payoffs. Mm-hmm. And again, I will state, again, if the boss fight ends, and if they come up to Harry, and they're like 150 points to Gryffindor, I will be upset. <laughs> Alyssa has not denied this happening yet, so it leads me to... Have leave. I ever denied anything happening? Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but it's just something about the fact that they lost 150 points and it was devastating, and they need a way to get that back. But also there's this giant boss fight, which is way more important than that. So somehow they're going to have to tie the two together. So I swear they're just going to give him all the points back because he defeated Voldemort, and that's upsetting. Uh, they're going to be like, oh, because you protected the interest of Hogwarts and the safety of all your students, 150 points. Uh, Would that not be point worthy? <sighs> Come on, that's lame. You know that's lame. <laughs> I mean, I may agree with you, but it's point worthy, yeah. But, but like, like if, if literally he's the only thing standing between Voldemort returning, mm-hmm. and then what's going to happen right after that? The mm. entire demolition of Hogwarts, yeah. Probably immediately after, isn't that point worthy? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Just. It's, Just saying, give him the benefit of the doubt. You haven't even seen it yet. And I swear we're going <laughs> to we're, we're have this conversation just every chapter. Yep. 
<laughs> good thing there are only two left. Good thing there's every two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, what's your favorite quote this chapter? My favorite quote or this chapter? Or quotes. I know you had a few, uh, but... I did love... Uh, I think this is the first couple pages of the chapter. <clears throat> yeah, where it's talking about McGonagall. I think I mentioned this earlier, but talking about McGonagall after finding the students that she looked more likely to breathe fire than Norbert as she towered over the three of them. Like, it's a great throwback, yeah, to the old thing. Like, Norbert was a dragon, for heaven's sake, and he did breathe fire, yet she was more likely. Yeah, I, I love how just the previous chapter was, like, adorable little Norbert sneeze that mm-hmm. was just, like, the cutest thing in the world. So cute. And then, like, legit fire-breathing yeah. teacher is horrifying and just like Ugh. yeah and like, yeah yeah I, I do like that that juxtaposition with cute creature who actually doesn't mean to harm you and <laughs> something that is very not safe yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i also hmm oh real quick too when um they were debating if it was a werewolf killing the unicorns and hagrid says no werewolves aren't fast enough or powerful enough wait a second, if werewolves aren't fast enough or powerful enough, maybe Voldemort's not as weak as we think he is. If he's, he, so we have, we have classified Voldemort as being stronger than a werewolf, faster than a werewolf, stronger than a werewolf. But is he bigger than a bread box? <laughs> we'll find out in the next episode of Wordstruck. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just noticed that, where it's like, no, Voldemort might not be this like weak little thing. He is stronger than a werewolf at this point. He's catching and killing unicorns. Not a weak thing to do. Good point. Uh, let's see. Another favorite quote. I, I have another one, but while I'm looking, uh, what's yours? Uh, mine, I only have one. This chapter didn't strike me for for lines, I don't think. Um, but the one that I found was on page 255 to 256. Um, and it's when they find the unicorn dead. Oh, okay. And uh, it's, Harry had never seen anything so beautiful and sad. Its long, slender legs were stuck out at odd angles where it had fallen, and its mane was spread pearly white on the dark leaves. And just that really sad, beautiful image yeah. impressed itself upon me. Of, of They aren't just looking for something that's killing a creature, the end. It's, it's really tragic what's happening. Yeah. And, it's, and it affects Harry based on how he observes it. Yeah. And it is beautiful. Like I pictured exactly what that looked like in my head. There is no, like, a crystal clear vision of what that looked like. So good writing in that sense. Yeah, tragic in that sense where Harry is not even, you know, he's new to this wizarding thing. But even he, as an outsider, is like, wow, this is this is sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I like that. Um, I also liked when Hagrid was talking about the centaurs. This is page 254. <laughs> and he says, um, let's see. He calls them, yeah, there we go. Trying to get a straight answer out of the centaur. Ruddy stargazers, not interested in anything closer than the moon. <laughs> I like that. Uh, not interested in anything closer than the moon. Nothing on Earth particularly, you know. Yeah, it's it's cool. They live their life. But, like, so much of them is, like, they are a far-sighted creature. And I feel like saying they're not interested in anything closer than the moon just really sums up really well their thought process and the way they go about thinking. Yeah, that's a really telling line. I like it. Yeah. So... Uh, listeners, we would love to hear your favorite quotes from, from this book. Uh, and you can tell us on Twitter, at WordstruckPod. Um, 
We also do run uh, a couple of polls, uh, usually Monday nights. Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. you know, we I, we ask you which of our favorite quotes you enjoyed. So if you want to weigh in on that, vote for mine all the time. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, you usually come up with three or four, which gives you a good leg up. Uh, but... That's true. <laughs> so vote for one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but your your uh, McGonagall and Hagrid ship won oh, yeah? this last time. Oh, uh, we have other so... shippers. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, great. Um, yeah, so go ahead and tweet at us at WordstruckPod or uh, at me at Alyssa Small. And uh, I'm at Clark Hodges. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'd love to, again, hear what you have to say about the last few chapters. There's a lot coming. Please don't spoil it. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tweet me spoilers. That would be so sad. You've you've been so good. I try to uh, hashtag everything that I post on our Twitter Mm. that might have a spoiler with a spoiler on it. Yeah, and I kind of graze past those ones. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Picking up my my really obvious uh, (laughs) code there of not for you, Clark. (laughs) It's more fun for everyone, you know? Uh, So thank you so much for tuning into Wordstruck, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks.